For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to my big break here on the VOC Nation Network. I am Jerry Strauss. This is where we get up close and personal with all your favorite personalities from the world of pro wrestling, and we find out how they got to be one of your favorite personalities from pro wrestling. How did they get to the point of achieving their dreams? How did they get to the point of being on the na- on the minds and on the, the, the thoughts and in the hearts of wrestling fans everywhere? And uh, what kind of steps did they have to take? What kind of roadblocks did they face along the way? We find it all out here on My Big Break. And this time, we're keeping it in-house. This is going to be a cool, cool conversation because we have one of our own here on the VOC. Let's bring her on right now, Sassy Steph. She is laying in wait for me, and here she is. Sassy hey. Steph, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be, as I said, uh, a part of the VOC Nation, so to speak. Glad to join you. Um so thank you for uh, being part of the family that has welcomed me. I'm still new here, so he's me at will. Oh, no problem. I'm glad to be a part. Welcome to the VOC family, and you're going to have a lot of fun. Everybody at VOC has been awesome to me since I joined in September of 2020, hmm. and it's been a blast. And I've known VOC Nation for, like I was telling you a bit earlier, for like 11, 12 years now, so... Finally, yeah. actually went out and put on my podcast and have been doing it for about oh, seven months, I guess now. So it's pretty fantastic. It's so much fun. And, you know, you mentioned starting up last year, of course, the pandemic really brought a lot of people into the world of podcasting. Uh not only because of the limitations of not leaving your home as much and it's a convenient thing to do, but also to continue to maintain a connection in whatever field you're in, especially in pro wrestling. It's a great way to keep that connection with your fans. Have you felt like it's been a success so far as far as hearing that feedback from fans and knowing that they're still following what you're doing now? Oh, definitely. And for me, I mean, I think seven years ago or so I moved eight years ago, maybe even I moved to Canada and pretty much my wrestling career started to come more to a halt at that point in time Mm. because it was harder for me to travel to shows because it was international borders, you know, travel was more expensive. So I didn't wrestle as much as I would have loved to have continued to because I was used to going every weekend then I was going maybe once or twice a month you know and then I was doing maybe a couple shows here in Canada 
So like, not only am I, you know, getting to connect with the fans still on a different, you know, pot, uh, not podcast, but a different like uh, platform. I'm mm -hmm. also getting to talk to a lot of my friends who I haven't seen in like six or seven years at least. And yeah. it's fantastic. I love it. It's like, uh, and, and that's really what your show, you know, I, I've, I've gotten to listen over the past couple of days to several episodes of your show. It really is kind of like being on a fly on the wall, wall for especially some of your guests whom you clearly already know very well and just kind of catching up and really getting deep like people who know each other well can do. It's been yeah. a lot of fun to listen. Yeah, definitely. I've had like I wanted to start like basically just so I could catch up with some of my friends and, you know, some of them are are pretty successful. So it's like great to have these stories that maybe people don't really know about that person because, yeah. you know, they only know them from the stage that they're on now. So it's fantastic that I get to catch up with them. People get to know, you know, each person from, you know, a perspective maybe they didn't have before too. So it's a lot of fun. And then like, sometimes I get to, you know, I've had on a few people that I've never even met and they're just as fantastic. And, you know, I get to make new friends via my podcast. Nice. Very nice. Now, I mean, with this show, my big break, of course, I mean, we started the show for two reasons, really. One of them is to hear the kinds of stories that inspire us all, those stories of how um, people got to where they wanted to be one way or another through hard work, through sacrifice, through, uh, you know, sometimes sheer luck, usually a combination of all of them. That's, <laughs> that's how things really come to most people. Um, and also the trials and tribulations along the way. I mean, it, you know better than anybody, I'm sure, that if you hang out in the pro wrestling world enough and you, <laughs> you ride the roads enough and you hear your friends and your peers telling stories enough, you're going to hear the craziest stories of people, you know, almost achieving their goal and something insane happens uh, and, and suddenly <laughs> the opportunity is off the table. Or on the flip side, something insane happens and suddenly you're a superstar. And <laughs> it's all kind of out of nowhere in professional wrestling. Um, now, you kind of have two different paths because, you know, of course you're such a such a big deal in the world of podcasting now here on VOC oh. <laughs> but let if it's cool let's talk a little bit about the wrestling career because that's sort of what got you to this dance so to speak and i didn't realize that you actually started out as a as a ring announcer before you even th thought about wrestling is that is that the case yeah it's crazy um when i was i was think 18 or 19 or so i was um I called up a local bar because they had wrestling every Tuesday night. And I mean, what was I doing on Tuesday night? Uh, homework, <laughs> you know, screw that. Right. So I was like, can I come to the show? Cause it's like, it's literally in a bar and they're like, yeah, but you know, after the show you have to leave immediately because it is a bar. And I was like, yeah, no problem, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I started going to this show weekly and I loved it. And it was a really small show. I mean, sometimes there was maybe 10 people in the audience mm -hmm. But, like, occasionally they would have some big shows. It wasn't a very large bar either, like, by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. I think, like, the most they could probably fit in there was probably, like, 100, 150. But for a Tuesday night, like, it was fine, you know? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I got to meet a lot of the people there. And um, I was actually a DJ at a bowling alley, like, not that far down the street. And I made friends with one of the commentators there, Keith Young. And he came out to my 80s night at the bowling alley and he was like, wow, you can actually work the mic. Like, that's 
you know, not really something that somebody 18 or 19 years old really has the skill to do. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's fine. I love it. And uh, one night the ring announcer got sick for this promotion that I went to on Tuesday. So he vouched for me. Keith vouched for me and was like, hey, why don't you just, you know, have Stephanie fill in? And they're like, yeah, okay, sure. You know, she obviously is already here. She knows a lot of the guys. I mean, this is probably a year or so later, too. So uh, I filled in that night. And then the next Tuesday, I filled in again. And the next Tuesday, I filled in again. And then it was my permanent spot. And then, um, you know, at that time, Lillian Garcia was really the only women's ring announcer at that time. You know, we're talking, oh, God, I don't want to age myself. So never mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking, it's it's quite a bit of time ago, though. So um, a lot of people in Ohio found out about it. And they were like, hey, are you free Friday or Saturday night? Or, you know, whenever we're running our promotion. And... um, I think around that time I left the bowling alley at the same time. So I'm like, yeah, I'm free. No problem. Cause Friday and Saturday nights bowling is your big nights as a DJ. Sure. So I was like, yeah, I'm free. And, um, I started ring announcing all across Ohio, having a blast. Just, you know, I never thought it was going to amount to anything other than what it was at that time. And one of the wrestlers asked me, um, you know, you have such a passion for this. Why don't you train? And I was like, what? This like light bulb, you know, like in the cartoons above my head goes off. And I'm like, why don't I like what, you know, why haven't I ever thought of this before? So I found the wrestling school, started training and that was the end of it. Was, um, you know, you mentioned being excited at even first attending these Tuesday night shows. Were you a long time wrestling fan growing up? Oh yeah. 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 Like I started my, like my mom, like she's passed away, uh, quite a bit a while ago. And, um, she used to tell this story and it's so embarrassing. Like when she was alive, I would never tell it, but now that she's gone, like I have to like relive it just because like she would always say it. Um, right. When I was a kid, you know, you had the, the, the dial TVs. So mm-hmm. like my, my grandfather would be watching, um, you know, wrestling and I would be sitting there with him and I'd be like going like this, like avoiding the punches or, or whatever. <laughs> you know. And uh, during commercial breaks, I would already have my pants down to my ankles and I would run <laughs> to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, and then I'd come back with my pants still around my ankles just so I never missed a second, you know, with my grandpa. And oh. that was like the funnest thing. And then like I don't remember that, obviously. My mom, my mom's the one, like I said, that told that story. But um then as I got older, like I remember seeing Sensational Sherry and mm-hmm. with Shawn Michaels, and I was like who is this woman? I want to know everything about her. And I want, you know, she just attracted me to the product so much and I loved it. And I still love her to this day, you know? So Mm. like, I mean, I, my, even my mom and dad went to WrestleMania three in Detroit. And like, I still have the original Hulkamania t-shirt that they Mm. got from that WrestleMania. So like, yeah, I mean, it's been around my life pretty much all of it. I mean, not as a performer or anything like that. Like I, I, like me being a professional wrestler didn't even cross into my head at all as a child or as a teenager. And Mm. it wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have started ring announcing, you know, back in the day. Did you have any sort of athletic background or were you into athletics at all before, before that point? 
Oh yeah. When I was a kid, um, well, when I was a really young kid, like probably five or six, I was the only girl on my baseball teams, like for like five, six years in a row. Mm. Um, once then I kind of grew out of baseball and I was a cheerleader from like, you know, little league and then middle school and high school. So up until my senior year, I was a cheerleader when I tore my ACL and that kind of ruined the rest of my senior year. But uh, I did cheerlead. I still had like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin has those braces. I had one mm. of those braces my senior year on the football field. That was fun. So mm. <laughs> that, not, it hurt, but it was still a, a lot of fun. <laughs> that's a tough, uh, that's a tough thing to have to deal with when you're first thinking about embarking on a, on training to be a pro wrestler and you've already kind of sustained an injury like that. Does that, does that kind of weigh in your head a little bit once you see how physically taxing it is? When you start the training? Of course. I mean, that always crosses my mind. I mean, it, your knees, especially in wrestling, uh, I mean, you're working out, you're, you know, you're using your muscles and stuff, but your knees with the, the amount, like, basically I've seen like things online where it says like being in a pro wrestling ring is basically like being in a head on car accident, like nine <laughs> times over. And it is, you know, and it's so taxing on all of your joints, not just your knees, but all of them. But especially your knees, because you're jumping off the top rope, you're, you know, you're, you can hyperextend stuff, like, it's crazy. So, yeah, it definitely did play in, but, I mean, I had surgery, I rehabbed it when I was, like, 17, 18 years old. But, I mean, it still gives me problems even now till today, but, like, you know, just throw some rock tape, another brace on, and let's go do it. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, you, the light bulb goes off, and now you're embarking on training. Uh, what was the training like for you? Because back then, and we haven't exactly time stamped it, but we know <laughs> that we know, I think we can safely say that uh, women's wrestling was not certainly on the national level, not as prevalent as it is now. Um, and I know that, you know, you would be involved in an independent scene that did have places that very much embraced women's wrestling. But as far as just the initial training, uh, did you train with other women or, you know, we, sometimes we hear that that's not the case and you just have to kind of fall in and train with the guys. Um, well, yeah, I actually, the reason why I chose the school I chose was I went to a bunch of different shows to see the women that they had on those shows to mm -hmm. determine whether or not I wanted to go to that place to train or not. Okay. And the one that I chose was Ohio championship wrestling, which is a little eeny, eeny, weeny, little tiny little town in Coshocton, Ohio. And, uh, like, literally, there's nothing there. It's like you drive in, you see the high school and a couple of, like, bars, and here's the town square, here's the wrestling school, here's the Tim Hortons and McDonald's, and you're out of, of the town. It's literally right. not very long. Um, but um, I went to a show for them, and I saw who everybody knows as uh, Madison Rain. And uh, everyone knows as Taylor Wilde, Russell. And okay. it was fantastic. And Madison Rain, which I knew as Ashley Lane or Lexi Lane. She's had a, a bunch of different names. At that time, she was going by Lexi Lane. Um, I knew she had trained at that school. So I had decided to go there because I wanted to train with her. Now, of course, she was just starting to embark on her, on her uh, you know, wrestling career at that point in time. So she would be on, we had training, I think on Wednesday and I know Sunday afternoons. And so Sunday afternoon, sometimes she wasn't there because mm. she was still traveling in from, you know, wherever she had wrestled the night before. Mm -hmm. So when she wasn't there, 
which was, like I said, most Sundays, uh, occasional Wednesdays, she might not have been there because maybe, you know, whatever she had going on. But um, I trained with the guys. We had two rings and, you know, I was being thrown around and roughhoused. And, you know, my trainer was like, don't take it easy on her just because she's a girl. And, you know, there's some guys who would like give me a forearm and I'm like, okay, like, what was that? You know, because mm. they feel bad. And I'm like, no, I'm in this ring for the same reason you are. So just, you know, give it to me. And there are some people who hit me really, really hard. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that might be just a bit too much. But, you know, I never complained, you know, because that's wrestling, you know. You're going to get hit. You're yeah. going to feel it. You might have a couple of bruises tomorrow. But you know what? It's life, you know. If you can't deal with a couple of bruises, maybe professional wrestling isn't for you. <laughs> And, you know, I loved it. I love training with the guys, too, because it does give you a bit more toughness. Like, there might have been, like, if I would have trained with all girls, maybe I wouldn't know how to take certain moves properly because what if I sandbagged that person and they couldn't get me to where I needed to be, you know? It happens. So even though, you know, it's not intentional, of course, but it happens. So it makes it's good to learn with the guys so that you can, you know, make sure that you take care of yourself if someone else can in that moment, you know? Makes sense. Absolutely. Bill After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my. Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <laughs> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's. Uh, He's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing there. Uh, Bruno was an LA champion. You know. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill After, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was uh, uh, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Um, I, You know, you mentioned, you mentioned Madison Rain and her, you know, the names that kind of got her to to the Madison Rain point of her career. Um, what was your original name? Because I know I saw it quickly when I was <laughs> making notes, and I can't remember it, but I know it made me laugh for a specific reason. What was it? Well, it's always been Sassy Steffi. Um, okay. But, I mean, I was at Shimmer, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they said that they wanted me to have a last name. And I was like, okay. So like, okay. I sat there for like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours trying to come up with something. And I just came up with Stephanie Sinclair. I was like, oh, I kind of like it. That works. So we'll go okay. with that. So that's a... Uh, and that lasted, I think, one show. And then I was like, this is Assassin's Stephanie. You know, Shimmer is a, a place that I think over time, people are going to look back more and more and understand the significance of, of what they've done from the beginning. Uh, and, and you can see sort of the... I guess the evolution of this movement of needing to have this community of of uh, of wrestling for the women to shine, so to speak. Um, and the fans wanted it, the wrestlers wanted it, everybody wanted it, and it sort of grew. And then it sort of rose up, trickled upward almost to the point where now nationally this has to be a thing because the fans are wanting it. And then you see it first over the years in TNA with the knockouts division. And then finally, you know, with WWE and NXT and everything they've done over the last five years or so. But it all seemed to start, you know, from what I can tell with shimmer, uh, were you kind of aware of what they were doing and how important it was when you were first starting out? Well, for me, like, I know um, I went to a Ring of Honor show. I don't know if I was training yet at that time or or if I had been training. I'm not sure. Obviously, I was ring announcing at the time. But I went to a, um, a Ring of Honor show in Cleveland, and Daisy Hayes and Allison Danger were there. And I actually bought the first Shimmer DVD, and they autographed it for me. And, mm. like, for me, I was like, oh, my God. The, you know, I've always tried to keep kind of like an idea of what's going on in women's wrestling, even if it's not like this huge thing that it is now. So, like, I knew of, you know, your cheerleader Melissa's, your Allison Dangers, your Daisy Hayes's, your Mischief's, Rain. You know, I, I knew of all of these people. So, like, to see Shimmer take, you know, I think it was 16 women the first show and make this giant show out of it and treat women's wrestling on a higher pedestal than anybody else at that time was, was amazing. And to see the growth and the, the elevation, I guess, of the talent that has come through Shimmer doors and is now, I mean, you can't talk about Shimmer with, you know, if you talk about some of the girls in WWE, AEW, Impact, um, Ring of Honor, most of them have at least wrestled one match within you know, at Shimmer, because it's such like this huge pedestal for you to really go show that you can wrestle, show your talent to the world. And then it's like, oh, wow, look, doors are opening everywhere for you because everybody who is a women's wrestling fan or has a promotion that has women is watching Shimmer to see who the next big star is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems that, you know, I, um, I, 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 uh, I, I did a lot of work back in the day in the Northeast area in announcing and commentating and such. And I remember being a part of uh, other shows that I think uh, promotions that would be offspring of the success of Shimmer. Um, Mm -hmm. Things that popped up, the one in New Jersey called Indie Girls. Um, I remember being a part of a lot of what the Samoans did out in uh, the Lehigh Valley. Um, they'd hold like an annual women's tournament mm-hmm. and it all had that same vibe of, you know, these really talented women coming together and you could just feel the pride, uh, of everybody coming in and being like, yeah, this is, you know, we're the stars. Like this is our, 
our platform to shine. And I thought it was just really cool because before that, it was more just like, you know, maybe two women on a show in some capacity or another. I remember, you know, those days where that was the norm and it was just kind of like, you know, there they are in the closet because, you know, um, they're kind of shoved to the side and, you know. 100%. In... I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, for you to be able to kind of have those platforms spring up, like, did it feel exciting to you, not just because of the exposure of indie girls and not just because of the talent level there, but just because of the atmosphere and the environment that it bred? Like, was that like a, a go-to, uh, um, like a highlight, I guess, of your of your wrestling calendar, so to speak. Oh yeah, definitely. I loved being on all women shows because you knew that you were going to, you know, cause a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, like, and it kind of drove me nuts back then. Now I look back at it. I'm like, why did that drive you nuts? Like it's nothing mm. like they would be like the following contest is a divas match. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, that's not who I am, you know? A, I never worked for WWE. <laughs> and B, like, that's not the personality that, well, I guess I can kind of put on, that's kind of my personality, but that's not what I saw myself as, you know, as my gimmick. Right. And so, like, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> but, like, so, like, they were just saying, okay, it, you know, basically it's a match for, you know, women to just be on the card is what I kind of felt like. Not mm -hmm. everywhere, but some places. So when I was having all women, all women shows like WSU in New Jersey or Femme Fatales in Montreal, Canada, or Shine in Florida, or, you know, wherever it was, it was fantastic. I loved it because not only was I, you know, getting to wrestle one, maybe two girls on the show, but I was also sharing a locker room with girls who were passionate about wrestling. Like, usually if you have an all women show, it's not like, like some this is kind of a thing of the past too, thank God. But like, sometimes I would go to a show and they're like, oh yeah, you're wrestling a wrestler over here. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm like, how long have you been wrestling? Oh, my boyfriend wrestles. So I just decided to wrestle. And right. Like, no, that's not like, you know, but like if I was going to an all women's show and I was like, oh man, these girls are all passionate. They all want to do it. They're not here because their boyfriend's doing it or whatever the case. So right. it was I love those shows like and it's such like an amazing feeling to be with women who love pro wrestling as much as you do because growing up I had one or two you know friends that were girls who also liked wrestling but like I wore like the Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts to school and stuff like that and people made fun of me like when I was a young kid like I had such bad confidence because people called me mankind all the time <laughs> oh god and it was it, like <laughs> As, like, a kid, like, a 13, 14-year-old, you know, kid coming into your own, that's yeah. heartbreaking. Mm, and, you know, it horrible. was so mean. And it was just because I was a girl who liked wrestling that happened to have brown hair, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, it was heartbreaking. So, like, for me to be with like-minded women was just, it was fantastic. You couldn't get any better than that. So it was definitely the highlight of my, you know, my month or whenever I was going into that town. It's awesome. And I, you know, I, I have to imagine that having that kind of, of an environment set the table for the success of yourself and a lot of others who've gone on to different places since then, just because they had a place to have that comfort level and that confidence um, that others didn't really have maybe in generations before. Um, and I mean, I, I think back and I remember just sort of 
sort of that classic thing on indie shows where there'd be the one women's match a show and you know the ring announcer would always have to kind of hit that line like are you ready for the ladies match or whatever yeah. and it was just like eye rolling um yeah like at least a ladies match is better than divas match because like i felt like divas even though like obviously like the women who were in wwe as divas obviously beautiful talented amazing women for the most part but like i felt like divas was kind of like a derogatory term if you used it for someone who wasn't in mm. wwe so like when they were like oh it's a divas match i'm like what are you talking like i said like what are you talking about you know like it was just uh whatever but like right. ladies match i would be like okay that's cool like you know at least it's what i am you know yeah i don't well, know it's like it's those little things like i said it doesn't drive me nuts as much now as it used to like now mm. i'm just like yeah okay whatever <laughs> well the thing is you never hear it now because yeah, no, it, definitely not. i I think, and a little, I mean, we've been talking about this for uh, some of our prior episodes here on the show. Um, it's a debate to this day, I think, as far as what the context of di the term diva is and whether it should be something that's celebrated or buried or whatever the case may be. But it I depends. think... I think it, not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but it depends cool. on the person, I think. You know, like Diana Ross, you go, oh, that's a diva. But yeah. that's celebrated because she embraces it and that's who she is. Whereas mm -hmm. you call me a diva and I'm like, are you trying to say I'm a bitch? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it depends on the person and if they embrace it or not, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're talking about just sort of the quality of talent uh, in your formative years and, you know, going from Shimmer to WSU and just all these really, these hotbeds that are that were so thick with uh, female talent that we're like you said before we're seeing it all today on the national stage that's where so many have ended up what are some of the standout matchups that you remember throughout your time in these promotions and um, you know people that maybe you got to work with that maybe then you knew because you were right there and then the world waited a little bit further to find out exactly how big of a superstar some of these people could be Oh, gosh. I mean, there's really honestly so many, um, especially my time frame. Like when I first started wrestling, my first match was in 2007. And so we're talking 14 years ago now. And women's wrestling has changed dramatically. But I was there when it made that, you know, that quick change. Well, I guess I wasn't really quick, but it's to, to everybody else. It seems quick, you know, mm -hmm. and like um, I got to work with bailey you know prior to her being in wwe and i mean you could tell by the way she carried herself and the way she did things in the ring even though she was newer than i was at that time yeah. that you know she was going to be something and another person who maybe not everybody knows but they definitely have seen her work just because of the girls of wwe mm -hmm. is uh sarah del rey like right. working with her like it's it's just another level. Like there's there's a few people I can say that about. Sarah Del Rey, Madison Eagles, cheerleader Melissa, and Mercedes Martinez. Yeah. Every time I stepped into the ring with them, mm. I was on another level. Like I was wrestling at a degree I didn't even know I could wrestle at. <laughs> and that's what's crazy. And Sarah Del Rey, like, God bless her because she gave me so much more confidence in the ring. 
She's fantastic to talk to, fantastic to work with. And even like um, there was one time on the show, I was like, oh, you know, you're the name on the, sh- you know, the name for the show. And she's like, I'm a name. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And like to me, I was like, what are you crazy? Of course you are. You're Sarah freaking Del Rey. But I mean, she was, she didn't think that about herself. And I mean, obviously she's a trainer now at WWE, you know, yeah. I went to Mercedes Martinez who after 20 something years is finally making a name in NXT and God, I'm so proud of it. You know, she deserves it more than anybody. I mean, she's busted her ass. How many times uh, she's been injured? How many times? I mean, the yeah. girl, anyway, I mean, all these women I mentioned, I absolutely love and adore. And, you know, they just took you to another level. And I just, I mean, I can't say enough about them. And they've all been on a national level, even somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting thing in pro wrestling, sort of the concept of of, uh, deserving something. Because it's so subjective. There's no clear-cut way to say, okay, I deserve to advance to this level. I deserve this job. I deserve this opportunity. But... You have to, you know, especially someone who is, uh, you know, given your heart and your soul and your body to pro wrestling, you know, those who truly care about it and care about others around them in it have to feel that there's certain people where it just feels right that they get an opportunity like that. You know, I, I mean, I remember Mercedes, you know, just year after year after year, like you said, going through the injuries, just mind blowing to see somebody like that now after all that time. Um, getting i mean it's as close to deserving it as you can really get in pro wrestling i think it's such a cool story it is i i love like i love mercedes martinez i mean she's like i said she elevated me to another level in my career when we did wsu war games when it was jessica havoc myself and allison k versus mercedes alicia and Brittany savage i mean mercedes even though she was on the other side of of the ring from us like she elevated the three of us to to levels we had never known and i mean at you know allison k went on to you know be impact in nwa and you know she was in the may young classic she did a you know a show with aew jessica havoc is full-time with impact for how many years now i mean just i think Mercedes helped kind of, I mean, I don't know if they would accredit Mercedes in their careers, but I think they should if they don't, because I mean, Mm -hmm. like I said, when we did war games, that was just a whole nother level. Unbelievable. And you, you know, you were right in the mix with all of them. I want to kind of go back to, you know, what you said earlier about making the move to Canada and that Mm -hmm. being a, a factor in sort of the slowing down of your professional wrestling career. Now, was that something that you had mixed feelings about at the time? Did you feel like it was uh, time for you to maybe want to have a different mix of things in your life and want to slow down a little bit and be a bit pickier? Because everyone kind of, I think, goes through that point where you just want to be in the wrestling world as much as possible, right? Like every weekend, you know, on the road, just being somewhere. And then I think sometimes life changes and your priorities just change and you start to, you know, look at things in a different way and want to space things out a little more or just kind of focus on quality more than quantity or whatever the case may be. What was behind all that for you though, besides just the move? Well, I mean, I still wanted to be a part of it. You know, I was like, I was a road warrior, you know, I didn't want to stop every weekend. Like there was times when I lived in Ohio, I would go to work in the morning, 
mm-hmm. as soon as I was done at nine o'clock, cause I worked overnights. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I was done at nine o'clock, I already had my bags packed. They were in my car and I drove to, um, Southern Ohio. I would pick up Nevaeh. Nevaeh and I would drive down to Kentucky. We would pick up, uh, Jesse Bell. And then we drove to Florida. We get to Florida <laughs> at like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. We'd fall asleep for a couple hours. Then we'd have to be at Shine at, let's say, I don't know, two or three in the afternoon, wrestle Shine. And then if we didn't stay the next day for another wrestling show, we drove straight home another, you know, 22, 24 hour drive. So that was, I lived for that kind of stuff. Like I loved it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. So when I moved to Canada and they're like, yeah, you know, it's a lot harder to bring you in now. I was like, Hmm. oh, really? (laughs) Really? That sucks. That sucks a lot. And like, I love like living in Montreal. So like, that's okay, I guess. But it wasn't until about probably three, maybe three and a half years ago that my priorities really started to shift. And I was like, okay, wrestling's kind of more of on the wayside for me because um, I got pregnant. I have, you know, my husband and my family. So like that started to shift. But for me, like if somebody was like, hey, in six months when let's say let's hope covid's all Mm. over Mm. we want to have a match with you and it's going to be it would have to be very specific and very special to me for me to come back and do it okay but i would do it in a heartbeat like i I, i'd have to convince my husband that it's okay (laughs) you were hurt also before all this though right because i feel like i i I saw a, a different interview you did where you talked about kind of working your way from injury. Was that a factor as well in the last few years? Um, no, not in the last couple of years. No, okay. um, I did have some injuries over the course of, of uh, my career in wrestling, but mm. nothing, not lately anyway, Okay, that I had to worry about. So, okay. But, like I work through injuries. Like, yeah, yeah, you have to take some time off to let it like properly heal or whatever. But like there was one time it was, this was 2010, I believe. Mm-hmm. I separated my shoulder two weeks or maybe three weeks before I was supposed to go to England. Oh. And it was my first overseas tour. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm missing this. Mm-hmm. So I went to my sports medicine doctor, which actually happened to be a family friend. So like he knew like how serious I was about, you know, doing wrestling and how much, you know, I wanted to be in England doing this. Right. And he was like, okay, if you can, you know, whatever, I was, I don't even remember what shoulder I broke, but if you can do this in three weeks, 10 times without injury, like without like cringing on your face and like showing you're in pain, mm-hmm. I'll let you go to England and wrestle, but we're going to make you a specialized brace to protect your shoulder. Okay. And I said, okay, no problem. So every day, like I was doing this just so I could do that one move. Like <laughs> I was, I was going and doing the proper rehab as well. So don't think I wasn't doing that. But that move specifically, I was doing like probably 200 times a day just to get that motion back so that I could go on my trip to England and actually wrestle there, which was the time of my freaking life. So I'm so glad that I was able to still go. That's awesome. That's awesome. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, 
Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. Now, you know, everything is kind of in limbo now, as you said. Hopefully soon we'll be out of it, and then who knows what's going to happen. But in the meantime, you kind of found your second big break in a totally different uh on a totally different path uh, in the podcast world. Um, you know, talking SAS has, you know, we talked about it before. It's so cool. And I think it's part of a movement, something I didn't really think about until recently. There's been such a shortage of female voices in wrestling podcasting, just like there is a shortage of women's wrestling years ago. Um, and now finally, you know, we're getting, you know, yourself and, we're getting uh, Vicky Guerrero and we're getting all these different, you know, female points of view um, to really put a spotlight on the things that, you know, haven't had the spotlight yet, just different kinds of conversations. Uh, and I, th- you know, from what I can tell, I think yours is certainly at the forefront of all that, but where, where did the idea come from? I, I mean, I know you said that, you know, VOC was kind of trying to get you on board for a long time and rightfully <laughs> yeah. so, but was there was that entirely their idea, or did you have in the back of your mind to get on a microphone someday? Well, I mean, when I when I was younger with the DJ thing, mm. I, even before that, like I wanted to be a radio broadcaster, like that okay. was my dream. Mm. And in probably what was it, two thousand and eleven, I went to broadcasting school. Like, I tried other things. Like, I went to college. It wasn't really what I was looking for. You know, all those kind of things. And I was like, I really want to go to this trade school up in in the Cleveland area. And so I did. And I loved it. And I had the longest uh, reigning show on their independent uh, radio broadcast, which was a blast. I loved doing it. I produced my own spots. I, you know, I did all my talk breaks. Everything was what I wanted, except for the playlist. That was, that was more (laughs) the, uh, the school, but we even changed formats while I was there. And I was a part of that. I came up with their, their slogan. Like I wanted my hands in everything creative that was going on with that radio station because I just loved it so much. And I actually went random but um, when I was a kid, like the radio station I always listened to was um, Q104 in Cleveland. I okay. loved it for some reason. It was like adult contemporary, like you know, Mariah <laughs> Carey, you know, stuff that, you know, still, you know, kind of contemporary today. But I like I love that station, even like when I was like five, like, you know, <laughs> whatevs. But I was like, I want to work for that station. And when I got my internship, it was actually for CBS Radio, which has Q104 oh. under its umbrella. Cool. And uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I got to do, um, I was their first digital intern. So I worked basically on their website and stuff, like making blog posts and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I got to do voiceover work and commercial work and stuff mm-hmm. for there. So kind of made that dream come true because I did get to work for them for commercials. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I always wanted to be in radio or some kind of, you know, performing element where I'm talking. Like I've never... I'm sure you can tell I've never had a chance, <laughs> problem talking to people ever. <laughs> and um, so I loved it. And right after school was when I met my husband. And then shortly thereafter, I moved to Quebec. And the problem with being in Montreal, Quebec, is it's French speaking. Mm-hmm. So even though there are English radio stations here, you still have to be able to speak a little bit of French. 
because right. of all the businesses that you're representing and commercials and like I don't know if you're you know talking about traffic and you have to name some of the street names. It's not <laughs> you know it's not easy. So and because I didn't have any connections up here, I really you know didn't dive into the broadcasting world as I had had hoped. Because when I was in Cleveland, I was like, oh, yeah, I got this on lockdown. I'm going to do this, yeah. this, and this, and this. I had all the connections because I worked under CBS radio as an Your intern. turf. Yeah. And then I moved here and all that was gone. Mm. And so it was really tough. But so, like, doing the podcast, I mean, it was kind of like my husband's like, I don't know why you, like, months and months and months ago, like, probably two years ago, I was like, why don't you start a podcast? Why don't you start a podcast? Why don't you start a podcast? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And then, mm. like, I finally started it, and I was like, oh, man, like, this is kind of the thing I've been missing in my life, you know? That's awesome. And That's like really... I said, of course, uh, VOC, especially Bruce, was always, you know, I've always been a friend of his ever since I met him. And, like, he always told me back in the day, like, you go to school for this. Why don't you just do a show for VOC? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll think about it. And, you know, never really thought much past it. And now it's like my two worlds kind of fuse together, wrestling and broadcasting. It's awesome. It's awesome. And now, you know, VOC is such an entity for such a long time, continues to grow, continues to expand. We've got our um, our premium uh, Patreon uh, thing going on now where people are going to be able to access the full videos and bonus content and everything. There's just so many levels to what VOC brings. And it's so cool that we've got, you know, so many different awesome people being a part of it from you to from you to bill after <laughs> i mean i love bill after oh my goodness so i haven't so, seen him in years and i'm so sad because he is just an absolute delight to be around yeah absolutely and he's great to listen to i mean everybody on this uh on this network is uh it brings something different and unique and cool to the table um they're just entertaining people um but also for a hardcore uh, wrestling fans for genuine wrestling fans there's just so many areas of of the business past and present that are covered here that it's it's kind of mind-blowing really it's it's almost a bit intimidating to uh to join the team so to speak but here here i am here we are and you're doing fantastic thank you i appreciate that oh man it's so nice everyone's I so try. nice it's it's a hundred percent different from my wrestling character. Let me tell you that. Well, hey, <laughs> in six months or so, we may we may be seeing more of that. So let's. <laughs> it's cool to have the nice side of you <laughs> for now, and each and every week on Talking Sass as well. Um, for those of you who want to, or for those out there who have not yet checked out your show but would like to go back and catch up, maybe do some binging. What are some episodes that stick out in your mind as highlights um, or, uh, you know, just conversations that you want them to check out to get a, to get a real strong flavor of what you bring to the table? Okay. Um, Well, I think one of my more recent episodes was really good with Molly Holly. Mm. Like I literally filmed it a week before she found out she was going into the WWE Hall of Fame this year. Oh, wow. It was really cool. And like, I have some personal stories of Molly just with how genuinely sweet she is and what a great person she is. And we really kind of do a deep dive into Mm. her career and talk about everything from WCW to her independent days. Because even then, back in, I think it was what, 97 or 98 that she started wrestling. So Mm. I'm not. That's a good bit of time ago. So um, that's a great one. If you want to have some hilarious laughs, 
one of the really good ones is Shane Helms. Mm. Um, if you want somebody who's dominating right now that you may never have heard of, but soon will, because he is going to dominate everything in wrestling. One of my really good friends and somebody I want everybody to support is, uh, Shane Taylor from ring of honor. Um, and mm. then, I mean, oh man, my first episode with Nevaeh is awesome. Who is at impact. Um, my episode with Allison Danger, she's my wrestling mom. She gets me really emotional to where I almost break down and cry in my, in my, uh, episode. So, I mean, there's so many, everything, everybody brings like their own flavor to the table and, you know, we kind of match each other's energy and it just goes from there. So, uh, so many good ones. I'm yeah. Like, and you, you know, just so many good ones. <laughs> you, you mentioned it before and. And this is what kind of excites me is, and what it will be is that. You know, it's it sounds like an amazing lineup, but these aren't just people that uh, you're booking to be on the show. These are people that you have been in the trenches with. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost more of a collaborative uh, deep dive into the world that you guys traveled and the world that you guys helped to innovate and just that area of the wrestling business that you and your guests were such a big part of together a lot of the times, it seems. So it's... Yeah. Uh, doubly insightful one might say (laughs) yeah, like i like to have my friends on i like to talk to them and have a good time and you know when i first started the podcast i asked like on my twitter i was like what do you guys want to hear about and a lot of people said road stories so Mm -hmm. like oh i I have a lot of those with a lot of people because (laughs) it's wrestling you know so it's a lot of fun i mean i've had people on like alicia toots izzy mania Mm. i'm trying to think off the top of my head there's not a lot um of people i haven't actually even met yet and it's still fantastic. Delmi Exo is another one I haven't met. And, you know, just fantastic people to talk to and basically get, I mean, Izzy is 13 years old and she's already a star in WWE. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's not signed in a contract, but she might as well be when she turns 18. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So to see her perspective of wrestling compared to like, I don't know, like Shane Helms, like I mentioned, like dramatically different in years, but yet still wrestling still part of it yeah so cool uh it's it's so cool to to meet you and to talk to you (laughs) and uh (laughs) to join you know again to be teammates now here on voc um you know you mentioned the expanding brand that is sassy steph so Mm -hmm. before we let you go where do you want people to follow you where do you want them to direct you to um what what do you want them to to check out well, definitely follow me on social media. Instagram and Twitter are the ones that I'm most active on, which is at Sassy Steffi, all one word. Pretty simple. Um, you can go to my own Patreon, patreon.com slash Sassy Steffi. I do exclusives with my guests each week. Um, either it's a word association game, basically, you know, words that are associated with them to see what word they come up with first. Mm-hmm. Or I do uh, five extra questions that only my Patreon members get to see. Plus, I do other things on there it's just like each tier goes up with the exclusives and it's a lot of fun you get to know my guests ahead of time in fact the questions that i usually ask are questions from my patreon members in my patreon only um exclusive so it's a lot of fun so definitely check out that and then uh you can find my podcast on youtube or on any of your favorite podcast platforms and through voc nation Awesome. Awesome. Well, Steph, um, I'm going to keep listening and, uh, I, I look forward to, uh, to next time we get to chat, but thank you so much for being on the show. 
definitely. Thank you for having me and best of luck in all of your future shows. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks to you guys once again for checking out my big break. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.